You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse and I am your host. And along with our producer Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show today. Good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm keeping well, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning to our listeners. Thank you for joining us. Yes, everybody. Alex, did you get a chance to watch the Olympics at all? I did. I, I watched as much as I could of during the Family Day weekend, but because of the uh, time difference, it was kind of difficult. But I did catch the uh, the hockey. As much as I could. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that I, was a bit unfortunate, but the curling was fun. I did watch the me- the mixed doubles for the curling. It was the first time the event was part of the Olympics, and it was great that we won. And we also, I remember, we won the quite a, quite a few sn- snowboarding and skiing mm-hmm. medals. So that was exciting. Yeah, it was exciting. It's I didn't get to pick up on it until about halfway through. I missed. I think right about after the men's figure skating is when I caught up with it. Too, the timing was unfortunate. And I missed the gold uh, medal game with the, uh, the the women's hockey. It was just too late for me. But you know what? I think it would have been too too stressful to watch anyways. But you know, it's just the athleticism. It's just I. It's just such an inspiring event to watch. I, I really, I'm really um, happy that I got to see some of it. And it's always it's always nice to see the 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 beginning and the end and close it off. And I, we did such a, a wonderful job this it, year. So it was it, really nice. It really brings. You could see the world together, but in particular the Canadians. When when I saw them all walking together, that was just so memorable for me. Like, and we just, always look so good. You know, our our outfits. The the I'm not sure what event was the the boys who were doing the snowboarding, the the jumping right. event, and their their sweaters. Wow, they just we always look really really nice. Always represent Canada well. Another. Um, interesting thing that I wanted to share with you. I didn't even talk to you about this, Alex, before the show. One of our earlier guests um, from Caslow Sourdough, they have, they're a family-owned business. They were one of our first or second or third um, uh, visits on the show, but they have received now, Silvio Latreri and his family-run business at Caslow have received a grant from, now I'm just trying to pull this out of the article, it's in the in the newspaper, from the Ministry of Agriculture to study the health benefits of their sourdough pasta. Hmm. So, yeah, they were given a $75,000 grant, and they're going to, among other things, I guess, study the impact of their sourdough pasta on blood glucose level. And his company, along with the University of Calgary, it says, have both anteed up $12,500. So the total grant is going to be $100,000 to study the health benefits of their fermented pasta. It's, I believe, still the only fermented sourdough pasta in the world. So that's a very, it's very interesting. We It was back a year ago in May, 
I think that that we interviewed them. So very interesting. Up on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud, you can go back and pick up that podcast and take a listen. And you know that was one of our first few shows. So if there are any glitches in there, you know, hopefully we improved. But you know, disregard the the newness of the show and take off all the information. Very interesting that someone that we've had on the show has has been recognized for for their wonderful product. So congratulations to them. I just wanted to let you know about it. Today's show is live. Our number is four one six two four five fifteen thirty four. If you'd like to call in and talk to us or our guest Margie, we are talking bone health today. Something that. All of us, all ages need to be on top of. So you can call in and ask her any questions or if you have something that you'd like to ask Alex and I. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Health Hub RMC. And you can always email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And our podcasts are up. We get them up usually about a week after our live show. So you can find them on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Now, we have um, a big show today, and I've already talked a little bit, so I just have a couple of tips for you. I want to talk about um, nuts, almonds, walnuts, uh, health benefits. We've talked about, we've covered this before, but um, in general terms, all nuts are a good source of protein, nutrients, including antioxidants, and have a general positive effect on cholesterol level, and they're great for fiber and great in satiating you, so very well for a a weight loss program. But I wanted to talk to you about um, storing nuts. Because nuts are so full of healthy fats, they need to be kept in the refrigerator to prevent them from going rancid. And they should be stored in an airtight container. You can store them in or out of the shell, either way. In the shell makes them uh, stay fresh a little bit longer, but it also means that you have to go to the trouble of taking them out of the shell. So whichever way you prefer, you can store them either way. And in an airtight container so they don't absorb any of the smells of food that they may be close by. You know, if you have... um, onions in the fridge or they're, they happen to be close by uh, garlic, they will absorb those smells and uh, they can change the taste and, you know, maybe not the taste that you're actually wanting. So keep them in an airtight container. And if your nuts get a little stale, if they've been in the fridge for a little bit too long, what you can simply do is throw them into the oven at about 180 for about five to 10 minutes. And it just really brings them back. It really freshens them up. So just a quick little tip there for you. Uh, all nuts, this, this is for all nuts. And you can even freeze them if you really wanted to. You can freeze them. Today's guest is Margie Bissinger. She is a physical therapist and integrative health coach. She has worked with clients in the prevention and treatment of osteoporosis for over 20 years, and she is the author of Osteoporosis, an Exercise Guide, which has sold over 100,000 copies. Margie is the creator of Move Today, a statewide exercise program in New Jersey, and Happy Bones, Happy Life, an online program for people to prevent and treat osteoporosis and osteopenia. And we will talk about those two terms and explain them quite thoroughly for you. Margie helps people achieve optimum bone health through whole foods, exercise, and mind-body relaxation techniques. She is a member of the New Jersey Interagency Council on Osteoporosis and an ambassador to the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Margie received a Bachelor of Science degree in Physical Therapy from the University of Pennsylvania and a Master's of Science degree in Orthopedic Physical Therapy from Northwestern University. 
She has furthered her expertise by studying nutrition and health coaching at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. We'll be talking about what osteopenia is, what the risk for osteoporosis is, and what we can do to keep our bones healthy, among many other things in our conversation. So when we come back, we will talk with Margie. We'll be back in a few minutes. People hurting, people broken, beating down and feeling hopeless. Wonder if it's gonna always be this way. Who will speak up for the captive? Show some love and heal a past that binds the wounds we think will never go away. But what if we could be a people on our knees as one before the king? Cause we believe. All the world starts changing when the church starts Rising. I see hope on the horizon As a generation stepping out of faith Because we will be a people on our knees As one before the King Cause we believe hey. All the world starts changing When the church starts Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the show. Margie, how are you doing today? Hi, Kathy. I'm doing great. So excited to be here with you and everybody. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking the time to educate everybody on this very important topic. 
bone health. It's, I think people are going to be enlightened by a lot of the information that you're going to present to us. Most of us think of bones as um, just keeping us upright, but I know that uh, there's a lot more involved in what bones do. Do you think you could start off by telling us what part of our health the bones are involved in? Oh, well, the bones are involved in so much of our health. I mean, they're our skeleton, as well as they hold so many different nutrients. And if for any reason the body falls short of nutrients, they're also a storage bank for calcium and other nutrients the body may need. So the bones do so much for us. For us. They're really very, very important, Start, uh, you know, starting from birth onwards. Are they involved somehow with our, our blood, um, the marrow, that aspect of it, some parts of our blood health are, are revolving around the bones, are they not? Oh, absolutely. The bones, you know, the bones have the extra calcium. The blood has to maintain a certain calcium level. It's absolutely essential to everything in the body. And the body won't allow anything to happen. That's important for our brains, our nerves. And so if there's any problem whatsoever, the, then they resort to the bones for the extra nutrients. So very, very important. How did you get involved with working with bones? A great question. I actually was working as a physical therapist specializing in orthopedics. And then a group of doctors started referring their osteoporosis patients to me. And I was absolutely shocked by what I was seeing. People had such good intentions, but they were doing all the wrong exercises, exercises that actually increase their risk of fractures. And so I realized that, wow, this area needs attention. This was a long time ago. And so that's when I started getting involved. I wrote the book, Osteoprosis and Exercise, which I'm actually going to give the ebook to your listeners. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and yeah, I, so I really like to help people as much as possible get started. But that, and then I just wanted to get involved and I started educating people and just really trying to spread the word about what's safe and what's dangerous because it's confusing. There's so much out there and people don't know where to turn. So I was doing that, working as a physical therapist, seeing a lot of patients with osteoporosis. And then my son had developed type 1 diabetes. And I saw firsthand the power of food in managing his condition. And then one day I'm driving and a light bulb went off that that was the missing link with osteoporosis. And I decided I wanted to learn more, went back to school, studied nutrition, and then started putting that aspect as well into what I was working with, the nutrition, coupled with the exercise. And and so, and then the last piece was the stress that we can talk about later, but I, I ended up getting a speeding ticket on the way to meditation one day, and I realized that I wasn't practicing that as well. And so that's the third component with osteoporosis. But anyway, so I started getting involved with osteoporosis and seeing that there was such a need. And the good news is there's a lot that can be done, and that's why I really love coming on the show and and teaching people what they can do because it's scary. So often I see people who are afraid and think there's no options, they're doomed, they're going to fall apart with their bones. And that's not the case at all. There's so much that can be done at every age. So totally an integrative approach to care for bone health. Exactly. Now, when you were seeing, you were telling us that you're seeing in physiotherapy people coming in, were they all elderly people or were you seeing the full spectrum? Oh, no, no. I was seeing people... There's, there's different populations that I was seeing. There was a group of people who were younger, who were maybe in their 40s, but who had other conditions going on that caused them to be losing bone, you know, other conditions. So I would see people 
in their 40s. A big population also was in their 50s who had a family history, you know, after menopause and really you know, didn't know what to do. And so, or, or their sense, most people send for, at least in the United States, it's very common when someone's diagnosed with osteoporosis that they are sent for physical therapy for exercise. Um, they're not typically, you know, they, maybe they're given calcium, vitamin D, but they're not really given a whole integrative approach to everything they can do for their bones. Mm-hmm. But physical therapy usually is part of it and the exercise. You know, I think before we get into the whole topic of osteoporosis and osteopenia, it may be helpful to back it up a bit and and enlighten us about how bones develop as, you know, from birth right up until they're they're established in in our bodies, you know, the remodeling and the whole whole aspect of that because I think then when we talk about osteoporosis, people will be able to maybe visually understand what is or is not happening. I think that's a great idea, Kathy. So prior to birth, your skeleton goes from soft cartilage to bone, and this continues into early adulthood. But approximately 80% of our lifetime bone mass is developed before the age of 18, which is so important because so many people just think it's an older person. You know, this happens to older people. They don't need to worry about it. And then our biggest spurt is during puberty. So then we get our peak bone mass when we have the most bone we're going to have between the ages of 25 and 30. And then around after the age of 50, it's common to see just a very small percent of bone loss each year, could be maybe a half to 1%. And then postmenopausal women after, during, after menopause for five to 10 years after can see an increase in that from maybe one to 3%. And typically because estrogen has a protective effect on the bone. And then once that happens, like the five to 10 years after menopause, it goes back to the smaller amount, maybe 0.5 to 1%. And the same thing happens with men, except usually around 10 years later. They don't have the menopause affecting just with age. So the amount of bone that you have before 18, I like to look at it as a savings account and that you're putting deposits in through your life. And so it's so important what we do when we're younger and how it's affecting our bones. And then there's something called, so a lot of people think that, that you have the same bone you're bone with, like born with. You, know, you have this bone and it just gets older and older and older. But really, like you mentioned, there's something called bone remodeling. And what happens, and that happens through our lifetime, and it's a process that we get rid of old bone and lay new bone. So it keeps our bones fresh and healthy. And in this process, I'll just go into it very, very briefly, but there's two types of cells. There's these osteoclasts, which break down bone, and osteoblasts, like the B in it, that build bone. And those two cells stay in balance. So what happens, these osteoclasts take some bone away, and then the osteoblasts put new bone in. And over the course of a year, around 5 to 10% of our bone is replaced. And so what that means is most of the skeleton is replaced every 10 years. So when we think of osteoporosis, what happens is there's more of the osteoclasts are those cells that are digging and they're taking bone away, then the osteoblast, there becomes an imbalance. So then the definition of osteoporosis is an imbalance of that remodeling? Well, the definition, I mean, yes, that's what happens. The definition is usually porous bones. It's just like to be defined, if something is defined as osteoporosis, if it's porous bones, which means the density, how dense it is, as well as the quality of the bones are reduced. 
So it makes the bones just more fragile and likely to break. It's more of a general definition, but that's in, in, in essence what's happening. And how does the bone get porous? Well, lots of things can happen because there's cross links in the bone that, that connect to one another. And so what happens is as we lose some of the nutrients, or we lose the calcium, the bones weaken over time. So we have to keep, this is the part of the nutrition piece we'll get into. I think most people know about the calcium aspect. But yeah. there are all sorts of minerals, are there not, that need to be involved in keeping the bone healthy? Absolutely. Most people, and what I see, and I don't know if that's similar to what you see, Kathy, but I see people having too much calcium. So everyone is very focused on calcium and people are getting it in their diet. And then maybe their doctor also suggests a calcium supplement. So they're getting too much. Um, With calcium, more is not better. And too much can be dangerous, actually, because there have been studies, nothing's 100% conclusive, but studies that have showed increased kidney stones, increased cardiovascular problems. So we definitely don't want too much. But, and, I, and I'm a big believer in getting your calcium from food. And I loved what you said about the nuts in the beginning because nuts also are a good source of calcium. So that was a great, great tip you gave everyone on storage of nuts. But anyway, back to what we were saying that, um, yes, yeah, so there's calcium, but then we need vitamin D. Vitamin D is absolutely essential to absorbing calcium. I'm just going to mention the most important ones. But, you know, eating a good diet and having a well-rounded eating the rainbow is going to be very helpful for all the nutrients. The other nutrients that are critical and, and, not, and missing a lot are magnesium. You know, magnesium is responsible for so many reactions in our body, but it also is necessary to absorb the calcium and to put, to put the calcium into the bones, you know, so that it's deposited in the right areas. And a lot of people are magnesium deficient. But and the, the there's other, the other one that uh, we talked about uh, earlier um, before the show is vitamin K that a lot of people really, that's a very unfamiliar vitamin. Do you know much about that one? Oh, absolutely. Well, there's two types of vitamin K. There's just K1 and K2. And K1 you'll get with the leafy green vegetables. And they've shown in the studies that vitamin K, the K1, re- doesn't really help bone density, but it reduces the risk of fractures significantly. And then vitamin K2 actually stimulates the osteoblast, the bone-building cells, and can inhibit the osteoclast. But the studies have been very positive with vitamin K2 and that it reduced the age-related decline in bone density of both the spine and as well as the femoral neck part of the hip. Mm-hmm. And also people who were taking vitamin K2, it reduced the lo- it prevented actually the loss of the height where some people lose height in their vertebrae in the in the um, middle of your back. So, but vitamin K2 is very important also so that it, the bone, the calcium, and the minerals get into the bone because if you don't, and I think it's really emerging as something not only important in bone health, but also in cardiac health. And okay. it's something that I think, I think soon it will be just as important. People will start talking about it as much as they do calcium because it is that important. It's hard to find K2 in food, isn't it? It really is. The Japanese who have something called natto, I never know if I pronounce it right, natto or natto. It's this slimy food that most people who aren't from Japan don't really like, but it's absolutely 
filled. It's tremendous. has so much K2. And they have significantly reduced. Those who live in the part of Japan that eat a lot of this food have a significant reduction in bone loss. It, it, it's incredible. They attribute it because of the K2 they're having. It's in some of the soft cheeses, in fermented food, it's in egg yolks. Um, but I think a lot of people do, it's helpful to have a supplement because in our basic diet, we're not getting a tremendous amount. But doable by food, and that's what I love what you're, what you're we're touting, because it is doable with a good diet. Now, how common is osteoporosis, and how, it, it's kind of a silent, do you call it a disease, Margie? You know, no? they, do, okay. they do call it, in my mind, it's not a disease. Okay. In my mind, I just look at it as a condition, because I think there's so much that can be done. Okay. And I think that, you know, a disease to me has negative connotations. Right. Oh, my goodness. And with osteoporosis, there is a little bit of normal bone loss. But again, we, there's things we can do to keep our bones strong and healthy. So I think the disease part of it, you know, if you look it up, it will say, oh, it's a disease. But to me, I don't, I don't look at it like that. And I think that's scary. And I find it, I, I actually have to say that a lot of times people find out they have osteoporosis and it's sort of the impetus for them to do something good for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they make all these amazing changes to their life. They eat better, they exercise, they reduce their stress and the quality of their life is so much better. So in a way there was a silver lining to finding out they have osteoporosis. Now, without taking a test, a bone density test, are we aware of osteoporosis setting in? No, we're really not because it doesn't, it doesn't really show up. And even if you have, even if you, have, you, don't, you don't feel it, you don't have any pain if you've lost some bone. So that's the way that they typically will diagnose osteoporosis. There are some risk factor analysis that people can do to have an idea of what their risk is. And if they fall, if people have fallen and had fractures, then they're much more likely to have a problem with osteoporosis. But the typical gold standard is the bone density test. And, and just before we go to break, because our conversation has really gone by quickly, um, osteopenia, can you explain what that term means? Yes. So what they do with osteoporosis, when you have the DEXA test, the bone density test, they take your bones and they do something with a T-score and they compare that to someone at the age 30. And they look at how many deviations away are you. And they just made these numbers. So they, if anyone minus 2.5 standard deviations away from the average 30-year-old, that's considered osteoporosis. Anything from, from minus 1 to minus 2.5 is considered osteopenia. So it's sort of a continuum where osteopenia is the beginning of some bone loss and osteoporosis is just a higher degree. And it's totally defined by this bone density test and the number. Well, just, you know, this may be, a, this is a little bit out of left field, but this age 30 that they make that standard by, is it not natural for us as we age to lose bone density? Is that, is that age and that actual number, is it fair when you're trying to... Well, I think they use age 30 because that's when we have our peak bone. Okay. So they're just trying to see, they don't expect you to have nothing, but they say if you're more than 2.5 standard deviations away from that, that's how they define osteoporosis. So that's, that's why they use that. But absolutely what you're saying is correct, that we do, you know, that's when our peak bone is. So they're comparing us to our peak bone. 
Okay. All right. Fair enough. And I think we're going to end the first half there. And then when we come back, we're really going to take a a deep dive into treating osteoporosis and and lots of different avenues that Margie is going to present to us to, to help better our bone density. We'll be right back.
are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Margie Bissinger today about bone health. So, Margie, let's get right into taking care of our bones. What can we do to prevent and treat osteoporosis? Okay, so let's start with exercise. You know, the bones respond to the forces placed upon them. So if we're active throughout our life, if we're putting forces on the bone, that's creating you know, more bone to be produced. Now, when someone's sedentary or, the, or if they've even shown studies that when people are in bed rest because they've injured their back, they lose almost 1% of their bone per week. So if you don't use it, you lose it with the bone. <laughs> so I think exercise is really important. And specifically, I always get asked, well, what exercises increase bone? You know, what? And the best ones are resistance training. So when, the, when you're contracting a muscle against a force, you know, so for example, if you're bending your arm with a weight, that force is tugging on the bone and say, hey, we need some more bone here. So resistance training, even twice a week, has been effective in increasing bone density and also weight bearing. So anything where the bones are working against gravity. So walking, dancing, climbing the stairs, you know, anything where we're getting forces through the bones against gravity. So those are the two types of exercises that, you know, actually increase bone density. It's funny that you mentioned the the force and and um, putting pressure on your on your bones to build them back. I broke my leg a while ago, and it was a it was a fracture of uh, my tibia in two places. And I was in a cast for a very long time, and they decided that they were going to have to. They didn't operate, but they decided that they were going to have to operate after six months because the bone was lined up, but it wasn't fusing. And um, I just googled at the time. I didn't know any better, and I just started marching around a mall and just stamping my foot in a boot, uh, you know, before the mall opened with all the other people that go before the mall opened to get their exercise. And the, after a month and a half, I went back and the bone had fused so that it really, that was a real life experience of how exercise can help for me. And that was just simple walking and marching. Absolutely. And I tell people to do that. It's not as though you have to set aside. I mean, I do believe in setting aside time for the strength training, but I also teach people to do things throughout their day. Exactly. Just like a little marching, doing things throughout the day. You're constantly giving stimulus to the bones. It's very effective, just like you said. And so it, it, really, it really does work. And for people who are younger or for your children, I think it's so important. Have them jump. Have them be active. Have them just do things that put forces on their bones because it's going to make a big difference when they're older. So for anyone that can jump, if you don't have any issues, they've shown that jumping can increase bone density, even 10 jumps twice a day. That's mm. nothing. <laughs> it is nothing. So can you reverse the yeah. numbers on your, on your test after your bone density? Um, if, if yeah, you, can, you, can, can. Okay. you can improve them. You can, you can improve them. Um, you know, can everybody totally reverse them? No, but you can, I, you know, you absolutely can improve your scores. Okay. Are there exercises that people should avoid who have osteoporosis or osteopenia? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Yes, because this is when I told you when I first started working, what I was seeing. 
So if someone has osteoporosis, what we don't want them to do is anything that they're rounding out their spine. So toe touches, sit-ups, anything that they're rounding their spine and bending forward. The reason is there was a study done a while ago in, at the Mayo Clinic, and they looked at people who were postmenopausal who had osteoporosis, and they looked at the risk of fractures over a six-year period of time doing different exercises. And the people that were doing just the bending forward exercises had an 89% fracture risk compared to the incident, not risk, incident. There was an 89% incidence of fractures when people only did the forward bending versus what's really good is the extension, backward bending. And the reason is the, the way that the vertebrae in the front, that's where the fractures occur, and so when they bent forward, they were putting more pressure on where it was already, where there was already loss of bone. So that's how come it increased more fractures. So you want to increase. So if anyone that has osteoporosis, not that you can't bend or do everything, but bend from the hips. And I tell people, because I love yoga, I love Pilates, I just tell them, you know, tell your instructor to do neutral exercises and extensions and just avoid those rounding postures. And most people, I think, who are familiar with osteoporosis know that. And then the second thing is excessive, like end range twisting or end range side bending, just the very end because of the extremes, because that can put a little too much torque on your bone if it's already weakened a little bit. Is stretching important? Yes, stretching is important for everybody so that we maintain our flexibility. Yes. Okay. And um, I've just learned recently that stretching in menopause is extremely important because um, of the loss of estrogen. So that's uh, something that I just read recently. I wasn't really quite aware of all the estrogen receptors on our muscles and our bones. So interesting piece of uh, information. Um, yeah, the other thing before we leave exercise, I just wanted to say balance because as we, you know, everyone's so worried about falls, which, which is a real risk. And just like if we don't use it, we don't lose it. If we don't practice our balance as we age, our balance deteriorates. But you can combat that so easily by just doing exercises to challenge your balance, even standing on one foot, you know, different, different things. Tai Chi is amazing for balance. So there's things that you can practice on a daily basis to keep your balance in check so, so you don't have problems. And if you lose you know, if you're walking down the street and trip, you, you have that because you've been practicing your balance exercises. Very so good point. I think good that's point. also critical. So how does diet work into this? Okay, diet is so very important because our bones need nutrients, as you said, not just calcium. So I think a very, compre- you know, just a good, balanced, whole food diet, you know, and as we said, there's certain things for the bones. But if you're eating, you know, a lot of people don't eat a lot of vegetables. And that's, you know, especially leafy green vegetables. So I think the more we can add the leafy greens and the good vegetables and the, the nutrient-dense food into our diet, the better we're going to be for our bones as well as our overall health. So in a nutshell, I, I, you know, I give hours and hours and hours of talks on <laughs> nutrition and, and, our, and our bones. But I think, I think it's very important a good balanced diet because, you know, a lot of people are eating processed food. They're eating a lot of sugar. Sugar reduces the absorption of calcium magnesium. So it's really a bone robber. It's really robbing our bones and not letting our bones get the nutrients they need. So I I think it really matters what we put in our mouth and not only what we put in our mouth, but 
how's our digestion? You know, it's not enough just to eat the food, but are we absorbing the nutrients? And how do we tell that? Well, we tell that, or we can improve that. Well, first of all, if we have digestive issues, you know, a lot of people know they have bloating, they have constipation, that something's not working right in our digestive system. So I think that's very important to be evaluated and to work with someone so that that can be improved. But also just our daily habits. You know, are we stopping before we eat? Are we taking a few breaths to, to relax? If we're eating and we're stressed, the body thinks we're running from a tiger and it stops digestion. So just simply taking a few breaths, relaxing before we eat, and chewing our food can significantly enhance our digestion. Something so simple like that. But well, it's funny, Mar Margie, you're, you're, I'm laughing here because our listeners have heard these steps to good digestions come from many people, including myself. <laughs> and it, it is, it does seem so simple, but the actual, you know, the chewing, the not racing out the door, those small things to um, increase absorption are actually huge. So Thank you. That was not put into Margie's head. She did that all by herself. I swear she did it all by herself. So thank you for reiterating that. I really, I really appreciate that on my end. <laughs> well, Kathy, I was one of those people that when I was first working in physical therapy, literally the plan of lunch was to shove the food down as soon as possible so I could get to the next patient. So, so, you know, I, I've been there and I know how easy it is to eat in the car and it's life-changing, like you said. It's so simple. And that's, I think, the fun thing with what we do is that sometimes it's the easiest tweaks that have the biggest results. And that, that's what's so exciting to me. Yeah, and it's just pointing them out. Well, that leads us right into something that you brought up a little bit earlier, which is the role of stress. So when we're racing out the door and eating our, our lunch or our breakfast. I mean, that's <laughs> stressful. But what other aspects of stress do you talk to people about and, and why is stress um, an impact on our bones? Yeah, now this is something most people have no idea. You know, they are so worried, are they doing the right exercises? Are they eating the right food? But they don't realize the stress itself. The stress hormone cortisol reduces the activity of the osteoblast that we talked about, the bone-building cells. And so there's a real connection. If we're very stressed, the stress goes up it's going to go down with our bone density. So it has a major effect on our bones. And so in terms of, in terms of stress, we all have stress in our life. You know, everything's stressful. It's not the stress so much. It's how we react to it. What's our resiliency. And the good news is there's just so much that can be done with this. And, you know, you start small steps, but it works. And once you find and then you can ride the waves of life. You're not you know, thrown over by something that comes your way. It's, it's really incredible. It's probably one of the favorite things I love working with people on because it's so life-changing. It is, and it impacts all aspects of health. People who listen to the show all the time, they know that stress is, I, I, I can't, you can't put one, one area ahead of another, but I'm telling you, stress is something that is undervalued in its importance, and it's so it's so nice that you've incorporated this into your bone health program. How do you encourage people to reduce their stress? Well, I always start with really simple things. You know, you build on things. So I start with just breathing. My first tip for people, and everybody can do this in, in, who's listening today, is just to breathe before you eat. 
take a few breaths and like belly breaths so that when you breathe in, your stomach goes out because you're using the diaphragm then. So a couple relaxing breaths before you eat. It will relax, it, it at least forces you three times a day to stop, pause, and, and breathe. And breathing is so relaxing. And, and it, you know, it really does reduce the stress response. And then also it will help your digestion and it will help you lose weight because you're not going to eat as much. But that's my first tip to just breathe. And before the stress accumulates, stop, pause, and just take some breath. So that's the first thing. And, and then there's so many techniques. I teach so many different things because each person has to find what works for them. Everybody's different. And, and there's really lots of great tools that people can utilize for stress. But I think to start with, I always just start with simply pausing and taking and taking a breath and, and trying to get some enjoyment in your life too. Cause when, you know, you're, you know, I talk a lot about happiness, but that works hands in hands with stress as well. Okay. I'm just going to take a bit of a left turn here. Someone asked me about um, why are the hips always the, the things that are broken when people fall? And is there a, an excess danger of your hip being broken over your leg? I don't know if you're prepared to answer that question. Yeah, I'll answer that question. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So the thing is, in, there are different types of bone and certain bone is called trabecular bone. And that's what's most, that, that's the bone that starts losing first. And that's the bone that's you know, really osteoporosis effects. And so where is that? That's the spine, the hips, and the wrist. So that's typically where we fracture bone because that's where we lose bone. Now the hips, the problem with the hips is it's so debilitating that anyone that suffers a hip fracture is, I mean, the, the results are terrible. <laughs> it's 40% of those end up, you know, in like, in like nursing care. And then 20 to 24% will actually die a year after the fracture because of that. So it, it's much higher risk because there's so many debilitating problems with the hip fracture. If you have a spinal fracture, usually that can heal and you might be in pain, but you don't have to be hospitalized. You don't have to, you know, all the other things that accompany the hip fracture that have given such terrible statistics. The debilitating part that? being um, that people can't move for a, such a long period of time. Is that what the debilitating part is? Well, the debilitating part is that the statistics are not good, that once someone has a hip fracture, whether it's because they're, they're, they can't move for so long or whether it's that they're in, they're in care for a period of time or that they just reduce their activity, that they just don't get back to their function. Okay. And so, so they end up you know, in assisted living or they end up in, you know, they, don't, they, don't, they definitely don't go back to their life, but they end up being you know, the, be having to be in a facility. Okay. And as I said, you know, 20 to 24% of people actually die the year after the hip fracture from complications. Mm, okay. So it's, it's exactly. Thank you for that. Um, does sleep sure. play a role in bone health? Oh, yes. As you know, I'm sure you've talked about sleep. All the things, you know, the bones are just an extension of the body. So all the things that impact everything else impact the bones as well. So we need to take care of ourselves because everything happens at night and there's repair. And so to get everything needed for the bones, to get the nutrition, to have the bones, you know, for them to be healthy, you need adequate sleep. So it's just like every other part of the body. We need sleep as well. Okay. Now there's one other area. We don't need to dive too much into it, but um, just to give people maybe a proactive um, notion in their head, 
There are certain medications or certain procedures, perhaps, that people have gone through. Uh, personally, myself, chemotherapy is one of them. Um, and people should probably get ahead of of taking care of their bones because of certain medications and procedures. Is that correct? Is there a proactive oh. um, aspect that you think that people should be aware of? I'm so glad you brought that up, Kathy, because absolutely. You, know, you hope the doctor tells you, but they may not. So anything with chemotherapy or anything where people are on medication as well, like steroids, people who have asthma, arthritis, any seizure medications. Also, one a lot of people don't realize is the antacids that they use for you know stomach issues, whether they're they're called proton pump inhibitors, but Nexium, Prevacet, all of those would really have an impact on your bones. So if you're if you've been taking those for a lifetime, as well as you know, depression or anxiety medication, they can really affect your bones. So I think it's important to to get them evaluated. And I, I think for everybody. But yes, you're you're right though. That population definitely needs to 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 um to get this evaluated. But you know, I think everybody should do the the bone building and mm-hmm. all the, the positive things. And the other population is anorexia. You know, people who have had issues with anorexia and eating disorders because they're very high risk for for you know problems with osteoporosis and their bones. Okay. Yes, it's a, I think it's an important point that people should know about. Yeah. So you have a, an online course. It's called Happy Bones, Happy Life. What is that about? Oh, okay. So the course, I, it's sort of the culmination of all of my work with working with you know, patients one-on-one. I wanted to bring it to more people. And so that's comprised of four sections. So we go over exercise in detail, all the nutrients necessary, nutrition, supplements, what's needed. And then the third component is, is stress reduction and all sorts of relaxation techniques. But then happiness, because studies have shown that when people are happier in their life and they're more fulfilled, they actually have increased bone density. So happiness plays a role really in everything, but it affects our bones. And so, and there are things you can do, even if you're a person who's a half empty, the glass is half empty. There are ways that you can change your happiness set point. So I've included all those in the program as well, so that while you're helping your bones, you can also help yourself and increase your joy. So, so that's the class that I um, that I teach, and and it's all it's all online, so you can do it. It's like a self-paced class. It's the modules come out once a week, and we have a Facebook group. So if people have questions or want support, it's a private Facebook group. So it's. It's Excellent. been very exciting because I work with people all over and I feel I'm able to spread the information and share. You know, people give me good feedback and also their ideas. And I always learn from everybody I work with as well. So Perfect. And we can find that at www.happybonehappylife.com, correct? Yes. Awesome. Now, are there any interesting devices that help with bone density? Yes, there's a new device that I think is very exciting. And I've been using it now for the past 15 months. It's called the low intensity vibration machine. And it's a low, it's a low the vibration they found, this, this type of intensity, very low intensity. So you barely even feel it. You feel a little bit of vibration, high frequency. And it's shown to increase the stem cells. So the, so the mesenchymal stem cells have a choice. This is in your bone marrow. They can become fat or they can become, which which, increase, which reduces bone density, or they can become bone. And they found with the stimulator that it, what it does, it stimulates these cells to actually turn to bone. So it, 
can increase our bone density. It also improves our circulation. It improves our balance and control. So it's a great thing. It's almost too good to be true because you only stand on it for 10 minutes a day. And, and it's easy. You can just do it while you're watching TV. It's, it's very simple. It looks like a little scale. And that's called so the Macrodyne device? Yeah, the low intensity vibration. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'll put that up on the Facebook page uh, for everyone to take a look at. Um, Margie's given me yeah, some if information. They have questions, they can. Yeah, if they have questions, they can. Especially in the United States, I have you know access to these things. They Perfect. Can, um, you know, send me an email on my website, or they can they can you know certainly ask me a question about this. Awesome. Well, now we're coming to the end of the show, Margie. I'm wondering if you can offer our, our listeners a, a tip of the day. Okay, the tip of the day is to, let's say, exercise and enjoy your life Just, and breathe. I'd say those. Breathe, enjoy, and exercise. <laughs> Perfect tip of the day. Now, you have decided very generously to offer our listeners a gift. Maybe in the next minute or so, you can let us know what that is. Yes. I wanted to give you tools that you could put to use right away. So I wrote a book, Osteoporosis and Exercise Guide, and I just recently turned it into an ebook. So I'm giving that to you free because I would like you to see what kind of exercises you can do and also how to sit and stand. It goes over posture and body mechanics. That's one gift. And the second gift is I created a, a list of high calcium foods you know, in terms of the different greens so that you can see other areas that you can get calcium because I'd love for people to try to get as much calcium as they can from their food. That's so awesome. two different gifts. Yes. And they can find that, at, again, at www.happybonehappylife.com backslash free book. I'll put that again up on the Facebook page for all of you. Do take advantage of it. It's wonderful. And if you would like to reach Margie, her email or her website is margiebissinger.com. It's B-I-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. I will have all that information up on our Facebook page for you. So don't worry if you haven't got that down. Margie, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. That's the end of our show. And we'll join you next week on The Health Hub. Thank you so much, Abby. have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.